0: What's, What's up, Beaches? Bitches? It's Trish.
1: And Chase.
0: And we are back for episode seven. seven. Can you wow. believe it?
1: Nope. Not really. All
0: those naysayers.
1: No, it feels like episode 307.
0: <laughs> well, only because we've had to record a few of them like 1,200 <laughs> times. I think so. Uh, But we're finally getting a handle on it. Yep. Yeah. Almost. We're almost there.
1: Almost there.
0: Yeah. So we've got some fun things to talk about in today's podcast.
1: And some embarrassing things.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you feel was embarrassing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But we're going to talk about King at the King Beach. King at the
1: Beach. Yep. yep.
0: Uh, let's see. We've got Dylan Hubbard with Hubbard's Marina later that was
1: on. Such a great interview. Oh
0: my gosh, he is incredible. Yeah. You talk about a radio voice. His voice <laughs> is like butter, man. <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like Roger from Roger and JP. He's got yeah. a real deep. Oh,
0: radio voice. so deep. Yeah, no, it was really good. Well, and then uh, we did a workout with 3D Fusion Fitness. Yes, we did. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. Yep. So very cool. So let's start off talking. King of the Beach! Yep. Uh,
1: so King of the Beach, what is it, Trish? It's so, not just a food and festival and whatever. What, what's no. the real story behind King of the Beach?
0: Well, it's a three-day event. Yeah. And it's going to be April 29th, 30th, and May 1st. Yep. But it's it's a fishing tournament is it's, it's really what it is yeah. and they go out
1: and catch kingfish
0: Catch, yeah. yeah and then they come back on that saturday weigh them and we're like oh, oh, oh i'm king of the beach <laughs> is that what
1: happens <laughs> that's what i that's
0: what i hear that's in my what head happens, that's what yeah. i picture yeah, yeah.
1: And the rest of us just go to the little festival and visit all the stands and eat yummy food and exactly that stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So what I read about it is it's going to be a little bit of a smaller scale this year because of COVID. Sure. So I think it's only going to be like, it's going to be like 50% of the vendors.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, But there still will be vendors, uh, some fun festivities. Um, they were saying that on Friday, it's going to be a waterfront party. And that's where the kids do their fishing slam. Nice. So the kids get to fish. And that's at Rock Park as well? Rock Park, yeah. Cool. So it should be a good time. Glad to be kind of back in kind of normalcy a little bit. Yep. So.
1: So where is Rock Park?
0: So Rock Park is uh, off of the Gulf Boulevard in Madeira Beach, intercoastal side. So next to the rec center.
1: And city hall.
0: And firehouse.
1: And
0: winn
1: Softball Diamonds. Yes. And Madera Beach Yacht Club. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. So,
0: yeah, come check it out. If you're in town, go uh, see the fish being caught.
1: April 29th, 30th, and May 1st.
0: Yes. Should be a good time.
1: happening. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so, now, let's talk a little bit about fitness. Oh, boy. Fitness?
1: <laughs> I love fitness. Like... Fitness entire pizza in my mouth.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the extent of my fitness knowledge.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, Chase and I were approached by Donna Bennett. Um, she is the owner of 3D Fusion Fitness. And she actually splits her time between here and New York. And she's got a... A fitness company up in New York City. So what she's been doing is, you know, with COVID and everything, she's she's been doing a lot of online Zoom workouts.
1: Zoom fitness workouts. Zoom yep.
0: fitness, and so she's trying to build her business down here. So she yeah. reached out, and Chase and I went and did a workout in the park.
1: I was well, absolutely not, park, but... not going to go. Absolutely not going to go. And Trish is like, you should, you and Rosie should come. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'll be really fun. And I'm not a dancer.
0: Well, cause dance. so we got it back up, and it was a kind of a dance cardio dance workout.
1: cardio workout. I mean, yeah, what, like Zumba?
0: It was very Zumba-esque
1: yeah. in yeah. terms
0: of the moves and uh-huh. everything like that. So uh-huh. luckily, I was pulling on my old Zumba classes, and uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah, I got uh-huh. this move. Yeah. Yeah. I Tr- got it. first
1: handled it. Rosie handled it, and Chase just sort of stood as far out of frame as he possibly could
0: and she's like let's do squats and he's like okay half bend knees half-bent
1: <laughs> knees." <laughs> yes it's so super awkward for me i don't know why i just i never danced i don't like dancing and no interest in dancing ever
0: but it wasn't like you were doing like dancing dancing it was like right. workout she to was
1: it. donna was
0: well she was working out with it yeah, she had the I green know. vine going well, when
1: she creates all the moves it's a hell of a lot easier, isn't it? <laughs> she's it like, is... do this, do this, do this, and we're learning it for the very first time. I'm like, oh hell no, Mm-mm.
0: Oh yeah, hey, but I'm I, I made it through. Yeah. I will have to say though, because I've done you know Zumba in a studio. Doing it in the sand was a workout. I bet. And definitely, I was like, my my glutes hurt the next day a little bit, my uh, thighs and my calves. I was like, oh my. Did not realize. Well, if
1: nothing else, it was fun, and we wore Rosie out, and yeah, it, it it was it was good. It was a good time.
0: Well, and she even asked me. She's like, "Are you?" Or I think she asked both of us, "Are you trying to wear me out?"
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she's getting she wise
0: did. to your ways I there.
1: Uh, yes, yes, I am actually.
0: <laughs> How did you know, kid? Mm-hmm. And then she was angling for treats.
1: So when when does Donna do the um, the workouts traditionally?
0: So she does them on um, Mondays and Thursdays, and then also Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Is that
1: all the same part, same place up in Clearwater?
0: No. So once a month is when she does them in Clearwater. She's in New York the rest of the time until she starts building her business down here. Got it. So um, on the other three to four weeks, she's doing it on Zoom. But on Mondays and Thursdays, she does it at the Somerset Beach Access in Clearwater Beach. So you're on the sand. you got the beautiful water to look at. And I have to say, there's a great breeze coming yeah, through. Yeah, that
1: was, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I loved that. I wish we would have taken pictures. And then on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Saturdays, um, at different times, she does it at McKay Park in Clearwater Beach. Which is
1: kind of right down the way from that Somerset it, Access.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. A little bit more shady there. So... And it'll be on what the grass. You,
1: what do you mean by shady?
0: Because <laughs> I'm slim shady, the real slim shady. <laughs> yeah, a rapper I am not. Um, but no, there's a few trees, not in direct sunlight type shade. Oh gosh. Gotcha. No, gotcha. Not throwing shade at you, right, Chase. All right, all right, all right. But uh, but yeah, I think it'd be fun to do it in the park as well. Because I know she does. You know, one was like the the Zumba workout, and then she did like a little butt blast, and then she does other styles of workouts on the other three days at mckay park yeah,
1: the, the butt blast was my favorite part for sure oh yeah yeah
0: were you like we must we must we must increase our butt i, I
1: actually don't remember that part at all but...
0: yeah well because <laughs> <laughs> at that point it, we were i was tired yeah i i had a hard workout in the sand but definitely wow. check her out like i said she's building her business here you can um check her out on facebook at 3d fusion fitness Um, For more details, message her, um, find out when she's here. You can also join some of her Zoom workouts as well. But she's, I mean, she's got great energy and... It's fast paced. She and wore Rosie out.
1: So yeah. That, that could uh, tell you how much uh, energy ex- she had. Exactly. And and Rosie's like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to lay down on the towel and down, yeah. down seashells.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I'm over here sweating. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> I can't stop. I've got to see it through. Yeah. So, yeah. But check her out. Like I said, she's fantastic. And uh, I'm looking forward to more workouts with her.
1: Yeah, definitely. So coming up next, Trish and I are joined by Dylan Hubbard of Hubbard's Marina.
0: Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful looking for a roofing company that answers their phone and shows up look no further cam roofing is a family-owned company that is dedicated to providing customer service that is second to none whether you have a new construction project need to replace an old or damaged roof or if you need a repair cam roofing is there to help We are here with Dylan Hubbard of Hubbard's Marina. So welcome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks We're excited to have you. Anytime. Yes. So tell us a little bit um, about you and the history of Hubbard's Marina.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm Captain Dylan Hubbard from Hubbard's Marina. And uh, our family business started in Paso Grill in uh, 1928 really Uh, yeah that's awesome we started with seven rowboats and 14 cane poles and started taking people fishing from uh what's now called mary pier uh and back then my grandfather uh started with the rowboats, the cane poles and then uh shortly after kind of starting up the business was able to uh secure the rfp to uh run trips and and basically manage um what's today called mary pier back then it was eighth avenue pier and now uh, when my grandfather got it was hubbard's pier and so he started there he got his first charter boat uh after world war two and uh then uh started running trips on uh, a motorized internal combustion engine uh, vessel and uh started running tarpon trips back then. Tarpon were the big thing that everybody kind of hunted for. So it was a lot of tarpon, a lot of mackerel, kingfish. And then in the late 50s, kind of early 60s, was the transition to more bottom fishing, grouper, snapper, amberjack, going a little further with bigger boats that were faster. In uh, 67, uh, they finished the construction on the Bayway Bridge. And at the time prior to that, uh, Paso Gros was kind of the hub w- where everybody kind of traveled from Gulfport over to Paso Gros, and And that, that's where all the uh, people went when they came to town in the area. And back then it was all spring break or uh, spring training baseball traffic. Okay. And uh, so they came from Gulfport over to Paso Gros, and that was the hub. But then with the uh, construction of the Bayway, people would come over from uh, the town and then hit the beach and go north. Uh, So it essentially diverted traffic away from Paso Grill. And uh, my grandfather was uh, intelligent enough to see the writing on the wall. And in 67, uh, moved the business from Paso Grill to uh, John's Pass. And so we've been in John's Pass since. And uh, we opened our family restaurant in the late 70s, early 80s. My uh, uncle built the Friendly Fisherman next door to our ticket office. Really? Yep. And so our the Friendly Fisherman was our family res- restaurant. Uh, we still own the restaurant today. We don't manage it. Uh, we're more focused on the fishing boat side of things and dolphin tours, island trips, shelling, snorkeling, sunset cruises, eco tours, private charters. We do kayaks and boards. Virtually, I like to say we're kind of the concierge of the water. If you awesome. want to do something on the water, you can contact us. We don't do it ourselves. We know someone who can get you set up. Uh, so we specialize in the fun in the sun, and uh, I'm fourth-generation owner-operator of Hubbard's Marina. Wow. Uh, yeah. That is yeah. so cool. It's a big blessing for sure, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, love what you do, and you never work a day in your life, and uh, that's definitely true in my case. So it's uh, very interesting nowadays with uh, the tourism uh, traffic that we're getting along our beaches and just meeting so many different people from all over, and everybody moving to the area and uh, trying, to, trying to find a home.
0: Yeah, and, right. Exactly. <laughs> especially now.
2: Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, a little bit about our uh, family's businesses history. And uh, w- we uh, do a little bit of everything on the water. But fishing is kind of what we're known for and specialize in. Definitely.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm still hung up on the seven rowboats. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah. what did people... Rent the rowboats? Did you take them out in a rowboat? When, yeah. What do they do with them? So,
2: my grandfather, my great grandfather used to take people out fishing in the rowboats. Really? So, oh, yeah. Wow, okay. yeah. So, back then, uh, you could just paddle right out of Passa Grill, and along that sandbar was plentiful mackerel, kingfish, tarpon. Sure. There still is to this day a great fishery that Blinds pa- or that Passa Grill sandbar that on the north side of yep. Passa Grill Channel, yep. uh, certain times of year, will hold some really big tarpon. And uh, there's a lot of macro action out there still. But back then, it was definitely a different world. No kidding. I bet. In Shell Key, he actually owned part of Shell Key at some point in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and into the early 60s. And uh, he actually, uh, our family captured a dolphin uh, and penned it up in the inside of Shell Key. And he would row people out to Shell Key, and he trained the dolphin to jump out of the water through uh, hoops and stuff. No oh way. And, wow. That's yeah. crazy. And then they got a second dolphin, and uh, they he named my grandfather named him after his two daughters. It was uh, Patty, Patty the Porpoise, and the other one was uh, – I forget the other one's name because it was a little different. But uh, in the early 60s, that kind of stopped once they started – Realizing, uh, hey, dolphins should probably not be penned yeah, up. Yeah, right. exactly. And that's where that stopped. But now we do eco tours, which is completely different yeah. <laughs> from penning a dolphin but up. People still
1: yeah. get To enjoy the
2: dolphins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome.
0: So, what does an eco tour consist of?
2: So, an eco tour consists of. So, our our probably our most popular cruise outside of fishing is our uh, hour and a half uh, dolphin watching nature cruise and eco tour and so what that consists of is cruising through the back protected bay waters uh and some people uh we get complaints occasionally because they're like i didn't want to go on a real estate tour but that's <laughs> that's essentially what you're doing if you're cruising in a boat along the seawalls. walls uh, but we go out for an hour and a half and uh, we cruise through the intercoastal waterways we take them over to the commercial fishing village Show that area. It's a fully narrated cruise, so the captain's talking about the area, some of the local sights and sounds, and then from the commercial fishing village over to the uh, middle grant or the middle school there on the water, where all those sailboats are anchored, and kind of cruise through there and see the the local uh, salty pirates, and <laughs> then uh, cruise along that uh, east seawall uh, all the way down to the Treasure Island Causeway, going along Park Street, talking about the historic homes. And the cocoon house. Uh, the cocoon yes, house. That's yeah. where I
0: learned about that. That cocoon was filmed yeah. here in uh St.
2: Pete. And uh, check out the peacocks around the cocoon house and then yeah. look for dolphins, manatees, seabirds, and then cruise by that bird nesting island. So we do a little bit of the bird nesting island and then you see a lot of other wildlife along the way. And we guarantee you see dolphins and you get a free trip to try it again.
0: And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good guarantee.
2: People like it. People like it.
0: So how would you say that the business has changed over the years? I mean, outside of no longer going out in (laughs) rowboats.
2: So the business has changed over the years in just the uh, diversification. Uh, Essentially, we started as a fishing business. That's what we did, fishing. And then uh, my grandfather did the dolphin entertainment a little bit. And then in the probably mid-80s, early 70s, uh, my father... Uh, Mark Hubbard, who was the youngest of Wilson, my grandfather's children, uh, was starting to get involved in the business. But all his older brothers were kind of running all the fishing boats and doing other things. So he uh, went off on his own, started a little uh, six pack charter operation, was running charters off the dock, and then eventually started half day fishing, five hour trips, doing shorter trips for those uh, what we call gray snapper, or what my grandfather made, the, dubbed the term gray snapper that's now widely used, uh, white grunts, those near-shore, smaller, great-eaten fish that the tourists love. Uh, and he started running those types of trips, and it became really popular. So then my grandfather bought a big party boat, and they started doing it as Hubbard's Marina. And then uh, from there, once that kind of went to the wayside for my father, he started doing dive trips. Uh, And uh, then liability lawsuits Uh. and all the good things that have come into our culture uh, drove him away from the diving uh, trips. And then he started doing dolphin watching cruises. But back then, without Coast Guard regulations the way it is, and again, liabilities and lawsuits, uh, back then we were actually running a three hour trip. And we would take guests out, dolphin touring, and we'd cruise around the bay. But then we'd stop at Archie's Island, which then we dubbed Hubbard's Island back in the day. (laughs) And uh, we'd pull up there. And my father actually had a clearing in the island where he set up a volleyball hoop. There was a grill. And he'd bring food out there. And it was a barbecue. So then he'd cook food on the island. People play volleyball, go shelling, exploring. And then they'd get back on the boat to do another little bit of dolphin touring and come back.
0: 80s were such a good time yeah yeah.
2: so that that's where the dolphin entertainment cruises or pleasure cruises kind of started and then my father got big into the ferry business uh, with public waterborne transportation and uh, then we started running island trips and snorkeling and then uh, with the the age of fishing the way it's going we started running longer trips to deeper water built faster boats so to me, the business has changed most because you're just trying to adapt to changes in the industry and and keep that niche or uh, niche or however you pronounce that <laughs> word uh, so that's that's the big thing and then also just the the change of business overall with going more digital marketing and and um, and trying to reach out to as many people as we can
1: definitely yeah so are are there other than the Eco Tours and the Dolphin Tours, are, are your charters, are your tours kid-friendly?
2: Yeah, so all our trips are very kid-friendly and family-oriented. We're a family business, so we guarantee an excellent client experience with superior guest service, and I try to personally be there to stand behind that. Uh, but I would say most of our kid-friendly or really the trips that kids would enjoy would be our two shorter fishing trips, which would be the five-hour half day or the 10-hour all day. And then the Dolphin Tour is a great uh, kids' cruise. A lot of infants going out on that one. Uh, Our Sunset Cruise is free beer and wine, and uh, we suggest – uh, to parents, that it's not really a kids-oriented trip; sure. it's, it's more, <laughs> more, of a, more of a party atmosphere, and we try to really emphasize that on our website. And we yeah. still run into issues occasionally, but uh, and then the island trips are a big hit with the kids. So sure. we do our Show Key ferry and our Eggmont Key ferry, and, and families love that. So
0: now those two, they don't go out of. John's
2: past, do they? No. So we have a couple different locations as far as boat departures and arrivals. Uh, so we have a county contract uh, and we work with the state uh, and we hold an exclusive county contract to operate out of Fort DeSoto County Park. So we operate wow, our nice. Shell Key Ferry out of the Fort DeSoto boat ramp. Okay. And then we operate our Egmont Key Ferry out of Fort DeSoto's Bay, uh Bay Pier. And so guests will head down there and hop on the boats and then we shuttle them back and forth between the islands. And uh, then we offer snorkeling cruises. And right now we're working on a contract with um, Anna Maria, the city of Anna Maria and uh, the county down there to offer uh, passengers a way to get from Anna Maria to St. Pete Beach in 30 minutes instead of an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Uh, And that would enable people to (laughs) travel to and from Anna Maria to St. Pete Beach and to Fort DeSoto and to go out to the islands as well. That's incredible. That's a great idea. That would be cool if that worked out.
1: No kidding. That'd be awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. Especially for tourism for both places,
2: too. Yeah, because if you're sitting at the sandbar in Anna Maria and you want to go to the trade winds, it's an hour, hour and 45 minute drive, two hours sometimes with traffic. (laughs) Right. It's it's heinous. And I mean, you could literally see it. When you're sitting out there on the dock, <laughs> but it takes so long to get there because you have to go all the way out and over the Skyway and all the way back. Well, so. and If the
1: Skyway's ever shut down because
2: of yeah. winds
1: or something like that, you kind of don't have a choice. You don't have yeah. a
2: way to get there. But. Yeah. Well, if it's so windy they shut the Skyway down, you wouldn't want to be yeah. on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> you a <laughs> that makes sense. But there's a lot of a lot of areas up and down the coast you can get there a lot faster by boat than by car, especially with the way uh, Spring Break traffic gets on GoPro around. Oh forward. my gosh! <laughs> I tell you what.
0: We got got spoiled after the pandemic. And yeah, take down to <laughs> St. Pete Beach from here in like yeah. twenty minutes, and now it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? During and the
2: pandemic, I had to go to Tampa, and I was like, man, I don't want to fight through that traffic. I was the only car going through that. <laughs> you're like, I was hey. like, this is weird. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel a little I am legend. Yeah, exactly. Like going the opposite way, and you're yeah. going towards. What am
2: I doing? I think uh, the traffic deal. I mean, it's a it's a a bonus or a uh, a product of living where people want yeah, to vacation. of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a price you pay to live in paradise. You got to deal with traffic.
0: It is, and I'll and I'll I'll take it because it really it's only about what six weeks out of the year yeah, that it's That's bad. really
1: it,
2: and it keeps your property taxes down.
0: Yes. <laughs> Very true. Although you just can't get into restaurants mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. Just eat at home for six weeks.
2: <laughs>
1: right. So tell us, you know, everybody wants to know the the fun, exciting parts of the job. What What's the best fishing story you have?
2: Oh man, there's too many to count. It's uh, it, fishing is one of those things. Uh, it's very unique to get out there on the water, get out of cell phone range, get out where you can't see shore. You're you're disconnected from your busy life. Yeah, and uh, it's very very relaxing in that respect. And then also, saltwater fishing is so interesting because it's unlike anything else. With For example, if you go out fishing uh, in a lake, uh, in a salt or a freshwater lake in the middle of uh, Florida, you're going to cast your line out and you're going to catch one of five species, Maybe, maybe six, seven, eight species. But the, the list is short, and, you're, and you kind of know what you're expecting. Yeah. Whereas with saltwater, you drop a bait down to the bottom, and you literally have no idea <laughs> what's gonna, what you're going to bring up. It's a little you bit can, different from the
0: trout farmer you used to fish in back yeah. in Chicago that, growing up. <laughs> that's
1: so exciting, though. That's what's so much fun about
2: it. Yeah, and you can, you can uh, with experience and a little bit of uh, skill and a lot of luck, you can kind of dial in on what you want to catch and and have a pretty good success rate. At catching what you want to catch, but offshore fishing in deep water, you literally never know what you're going to bring up and what you're going to run into and what big fish is going to bite your line. And there's been times where we catch six, seven, eight hundred pound goliath grouper, wow. catch hundred pound, uh, hundred and twenty pound snapper, those big cuberas with with three inch long fangs. <laughs> no, yeah, like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you catch those uh 50 60 hundred pound grouper. Like the gags and the, and the big Warsaws and stuff, and a uh, plentiful snapper. You get those weird fish like lionfish. There's this one called an oscillated frogfish, and uh, it just looks l- like something out of the movie Alien. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's filled with water, it has these air pockets that fill with water. It's totally crazy looking. Wow. that's wild the I'm sea that. That has, <laughs> they have legs and you drop them on the deck and it will literally walk oh. down the deck oh my god oh, yeah. that's crazy scorpion fish razor fish there's a ton of really unique species that you run into you
0: say unique I say creepy but
2: <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> that's true that's true everybody has their own perspective for sure but that is uh, the best part about fishing is uh, essentially once every two or three trips you're going to have something that happens that is going to blow your mind like For example, uh, last year in the middle of the year, uh, Captain has been working with our family for 27 years, uh, out on the water four to six times a week, and uh, he saw something he's never seen in his whole life. We found we came across two about 65 foot long whales cruising with about a 25 foot long calf, uh, right off our coast, which is something I've never seen in my lifetime. Uh, so that was pretty wild. You sometimes run across like big sharks. We had a, a great white swim up to our boat, uh, about three years ago when we're all short fishing. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. You see the big bull sharks, big hammerheads, um, uh, dolphins jumping in the wake. You've, you've got beautiful sunrise, sunsets, like our 39 and 44 hour trips. You're out there in the middle of the Gulf. So, at night when we're cruising, we turn the lights off in the front of the boat so the captain has better visuals in front of the vessel and no ambient light messing up your night vision. Right. So, you walk to the bow of the boat and you look up, and it's just, it's people say, Oh, I like going to the woods because you can see the stars. Well, let me tell you, you've never seen the stars until you're 100 miles west. Out in the middle of wow. the ocean. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, I didn't realize that you guys did fishing charters longer
2: longer than 10 hours. Yeah, we do multi-day trips. So we kind of specialize in large groups and multi-day long range, specialized fishing. So we were the first to offer long range overnight fishing in the state of Florida. And, uh, we were the first to offer half day fishing. We were the first to do dolphin tours in this area. Uh, we have a lot of unique family history first. Uh, So uh, my grandfather started running, Overnight trips in 1967 and uh, out to the Florida Middle Grounds So now we fish the Florida Middle Grounds the elbow surrounding areas fishing anywhere from 120 to 400 foot of water uh, For 39 44 we used to do 63 hour trips as well, and we've wow. done as long as an 84 hour trip um nice. So one thing recently came up with the multi-day trips. Uh, We are very active in fisheries management and uh, sustainable fisheries. Uh, I attend all the federal uh, fisheries meetings, and I sit on three advisory panels for the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Council, and uh, I work really closely with the Marine Resource Education Program. Uh, But what interesting came up is we had this issue with one of the regulations and they were all of a sudden changing it on us and how we've historically prosecuted our fishery. So I started looking into it and doing history and uh, uh, Magnuson Stevens Act or MSA is what kind of regulates and governs offshore federal waters fisheries. It was enacted in 1976 and some of the first FMPs or fishery management plans came into the Gulf of Mexico around late 70s, early 80s. And amendment, Reef Fish Amendment 1, we're up to like 80 or 90 now, <laughs> uh, but Reef fish Amendment 1 uh, talks about multi-day trips, and they made a rule about it, and it talks about the boat that leaves out on the Deer Beach to fish the Florida Middle Grounds. Wow. And that was pretty bone-chilling because uh, it was just so cool to see, historically, even in the late 70s, early 80s, they were, had to make special rules about the way our business operated.
1: Yeah, wow. absolutely. So what does a, a multi-day trip look like? How big of a boat? Um, what kind of equipment? I mean, that,
2: that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, so we have a couple different vessels. Uh, we have a total of uh, five fishing vessels, three are private charters, two are party boat trips or headboats. And so our multi-day trips are on our larger of the headboats. So sure. it's, it's about 70 foot long. It's about 30 foot wide. It's a very large, very uh, safe, stable vessel. And uh, that boat has uh, benches uh, during the day. And then on one of those long range trips, the back of the bench will fold up and become bunks. So they're about seven foot long, about three and a half foot wide, six inches of foam. I'm a big guy, I can sleep on them comfortably. And uh, plenty of room inside to sleep. We have an upstairs open air cabin. So everybody has a spot to sleep. You got a spot to fish. We have two uh, restrooms on the boat. Uh, with uh, showers, so you got a shower, you got a restroom, we have a full galley, so you get a uh, uh, three-course breakfast, three-course dinner, uh, hamburger up for lunch, We do very cool. midnight snacks, yeah. so you got all the amenities, uh, and my joke with people from out of town is always like, well, how much is that overnight trip, and then it's cheaper than two nights in a hotel, and my yeah. hotel will take you 100 miles from <laughs> Yeah, <floor>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a very cool trip and a very unique experience. That sure. does sound and you get a two-day bag limit, so you get twice the fish that you're normally allowed, and that's part of the reason we stopped running uh, three-day trips because uh, the multi-day trip limit is two. So it doesn't Got matter it. if you're out two days or ten days, you're you only, only allowed two days. Two days. days worth. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: So, what do you guys do with like if somebody catches fish and they you know they can't keep all of it? Does it
2: go to your restaurant or what do you guys do? So uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, any recreationally caught fish is illegal uh, to sell or to profit from. So even if someone said, oh, I don't want to keep these fish, uh, we couldn't uh, sell them in a restaurant or even bring them into the restaurant. It's like one of those things you you lose big time. They'll take your boat. (laughs) They'll take your truck. They'll take your business. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're very careful in that respect, but what we most of the time do uh, on our shorter trips uh, is we'll uh, ask the clients before leaving, like, hey, are you planning to keep fish? For example, if it was a private charter, we'd start like, hey, what do you want to target? What do you want to catch? Uh, What are you planning to do after the trip? Uh, And then if they're, oh, we want to keep fish, then we try to target what fish they want, and we try to uh, catch that fish, clean it for them, and then give it to them at the end of the trip. But if they're like, hey, we don't want to catch or we don't want to keep fish, we just are looking for a big one, then we'll go out there and go shark fishing or go grouper fishing. Uh, Or if they just want to catch a a fish to take a photo of, uh, there's a lot of different options. But on the party boat trips, a lot of times what we do is we encourage guests to uh, give them to people around them uh, or just release them if they want to just release them. Some people just don't want to see the fish go in the fish box, which is fine. Uh, It's your fish. Anything you catch that's legal and in season you can do with as you please if it's not in season or not legal size it's going back in the water <laughs> yeah. and then uh, the coolest part about our family's business is uh, we built that restaurant because the goal was to uh, it give the uh, guests and our fishing friends a way to enjoy their catch yeah. so when you come back in from a trip our crew will offer a fish fillet service or you can flame yourself and then once you have them filleted you can take them home if you'd like but if you're staying in a hotel if you don't have a way to cook your fish or if you like me and you don't feel like messing with them after a trip <laughs> yeah then you can walk next door to yeah, the restaurant prepared for you yep very yep. cool about oh, ten dollars nice. a person you nice. can sit on the waterfront deck and drink a cocktail and have your fish fried up blackened broiled however you want sounds terrible yeah that's <laughs> No,
1: that really does sound super cool and that, yeah. i didn't know that something like this existed around here
2: that's mm-hmm. yeah Neither did I. Yeah, and it's uh, I heard recently the new uh, crabbies on the pass that's opening up there where gators closed. Mm-hmm. They're going to have grills outside, so you'll be able to go over there and grill your own fish. Oh, that's or cool. Or they'll offer to cook it up for you. So they're going to have a couple different options, so I was excited to hear that. Really? But nice. uh, Conk Republic offers cook your catch, and so does um, shrimpies. Shrimpies okay. that move over to Blind's pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shrimpies is awesome gather
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, beignets in the morning for breakfast. Ooh. So good. <laughs> the shrimp
2: bisque, is life-changing.
0: Oh, that's crazy. So, what is the say the craziest thing that's ever happened on a charter?
2: Um, so in my, in my personal experience, one time we were out on a charter and uh, we saw some smoke and kind of unwritten rule of the water is you're, you're watching out for your fellow man, especially when you're offshore, out of cell phone range, uh, you have limited communication, especially when I was younger, uh, 10, 12, 14 years old, there wasn't satellite phones readily available. You were literally kind of on your own out there. Yeah. So uh, you kind of watch out for fellow boaters. So uh, I was, I believe, around 14 years old. I was working, uh, not working. I was, I, was, I was hanging out on a boat. I <laughs> sure. might have pulled sure. a few <laughs> anchors, might have <laughs> baited a few hooks. But uh, I was on a charter boat with uh, Captain Sal, uh, who's still with our family business. And uh, we saw some smoke out in the distance. And we're like, what's that? It was kind of like white smoke, which can sometimes be diesel exhaust. You see that from time to time, even black smoke uh, from boats taking off. And then uh, it turned from white smoke to black smoke and it didn't go away. We're like, this is weird. So we went flying over there with clients on board and a shrimp boat had caught fire and was sinking. And uh, the crew of like five or six guys had jumped overboard and uh, they threw their catch overboard first. (laughs) And we're floating on top of their uh, satchels of shrimp that they had just caught. Wow. Yeah, so we went over there. It was just starting to get sundown, and uh, we went over there and pulled them on board and pulled their shrimp on board, and uh, we brought them back to shore. And uh, they were so thankful they gave us one of their, like, it was it had to be like 30 pounds of shrimp. This wow. huge, like, satchel <laughs> of shrimp. And it was That's some awesome. of the biggest shrimp I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like the ones the, run, the ones they write movies about. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah. I'll never forget that meal. It was It was intense. And I was still very young at the time. And uh, we found a, a lady floating out there one time what? with a, uh, a, a like a, a pool uh, float, Shut so up. she was at the beach and uh, had fallen asleep and got oh, washed offshore. God. And we were about probably four miles from shore, and oh, we see this little green god. green dot. We go up there, and it's this lady who's freaking out. Oh, she's she's like purple from sunburn. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> that was pretty wild. And uh, we we've, we've found a dog swimming out there about six, eight miles from shore. He was on a commercial boat no at night way. and had jumped off the commercial boat without anybody knowing, knowing it or realizing it. And the dog oh was actually gosh. swimming home. It was amazing oh. to us that he was actually heading in the right direction. Wow. Uh, so we came up on that. Um, and then just the the myriad of different fish you run into out there sure. is yeah. pretty crazy. And then you always mix sunlight and uh a long trip with a bunch of different people from different areas with different <laughs> beliefs there's, there's a, sometimes there's those occasional crazy things that <laughs> yes. most of it's related to just like uh for example medication someone gets out there on a 39 hour trip and they have some type of heart condition or or uh The biggest one is insulin. Like uh, people who are diabetic who don't take their medication properly, your sugar levels get off, and sometimes that really messes with your head. And we've had uh, incidents like that. So those are some of the crazier ones. But I don't don't know how what our podcast rating is one. But uh... if it
0: was anything bad, we have we have a dolphin noise that just kind of marks it out. (laughs) So wow, that is so awesome. Yeah, that is.
2: Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, I, I think, uh, the boat being on fire, finding the lady, the dog, and then uh, occasionally, not from our boat, but we have run across uh, a, a handful of times in our uh, nearly 100-year history, <laughs> ran across, uh, I guess, uh best way to put this would be uh, bodies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: sure.
2: Ran across that yeah. a couple times. Yeah. So, unfortunate part of it.
0: Which is so crazy to I me mean, that you've, come across all of this knowing what a big body of water you're going out in We
2: investigate. so for example uh if you see something if you're in the woods and you're hunting deer and you see something that looks out of place you don't go over to it you're like oh somebody left trash that's nice maybe you're a good person you go pick it up but (laughs) you when you're fishing and you're out there in the gulf any little thing on the surface will attract bait which then attracts predators so if you're out there and you find a palm frond in 600 foot of water, there could be a 400-pound marlin underneath it. So it. you you go investigate things, especially certain times of year when we have triple tail in the area, yeah. a little, a little uh, balloon floating or a, uh, as, as, as small as that plastic bottle could be uh, attracting a little bait fish which has a triple tail hanging out underneath it. They're just looking for a little bit of shade and looking for some food. So anything we see floating, we go look at what it is and what's underneath it. Got so it. you
0: guys have really trained yourself to spot things in the water
2: then. Oh, yes. Yeah. So as a, as a captain, as a fishing boat captain, you're constantly paying attention for obvious safety concerns. <laughs> but once you're out there in the middle of the gulf, there's not like you're going to hit something. Most yeah. of the time, what you're paying attention for most is you're watching your bottom machine, trying to find that new piece of bottom. Which in our area, I mean, we're the grouper capital of the Gulf of Mexico, really, in my opinion, the world, but uh, um, I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> Madeira Beach, John's Pass does land 74% of the commercially caught grouper in the wow. Gulf of Mexico. Unreal. Yeah, so John's Pass is the grouper capital of the Gulf of Mexico. Just in our bottom is so unique, and there's so many little cracks, crevices, ledges, rock piles, reefs, uh, wrecks. So you're constantly watching your bottom machine for that new piece of bottom, that new fish show, and then also scanning the horizon for birds, which are feeding on bait, which has pelagics under it, or you might find that next crazy thing that you experience. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you, you always are, are on the lookout for that kind of thing. And then again, passenger safety. <laughs> yes, of course.
1: Well, awesome! Thank you so much for coming in. This yes. has been an awesome interview. We yes. learned a ton from you. I'm <laughs> sure you have more and more and more <laughs> stories that you could go on. Yeah, um, but yeah, this is this is super
0: cool. Yeah, thank you again so much for coming to talk to us.
2: Yeah, anytime. No, I appreciate it. I enjoy uh, talking about fishing and crazy stories, so it was fun. <laughs> I bet <laughs>
0: we
1: like hearing it. Well, and now we have a new uh, place that we can go explore or do homework on. This week. like. Oh you know, yeah. <laughs>
2: I like your terminology. I need need to go do homework myself. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: typically homework for us involves alcohol. So (laughs) my job involves alcohol. You know, so does ours. Yeah,
2: my my uh, we do a Sunday night live stream show where we talk all about fishing and give away free trips, and that's essentially it's it's a fishing show with a whiskey problem. So nice, perfect. It's it's nice.
0: Now, where would somebody find that?
2: Uh, We do it on our Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube pages. So uh, we're very active on uh, social media, for sure. Sunday night, what time? 8.30 p.m., every Sunday night, every week. We uh, give away over $700 in pre-fishing trips, answer your questions live. It's pretty cool. All right. We can tune
0: in and drink along with you. There you go. (laughs) Sounds good. Don't try to keep up. No. I don't know. In that arena. Yeah, so so
2: once once we stop, we're going to have to go uh, do some homework. Probably right? <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Thanks Appreciate so much. You.
1: Again, huge thanks to Dylan Hubbard of Hubbard's Marina. That was an awesome interview. Oh
0: my gosh. I think one of my favorites so far
1: he's he's got to come back uh the the stories that he shared with us were just i think the tip of the iceberg and uh I think we can maybe get him to open up a little bit he kept mentioning the, you know what's the rating on this podcast we're like oh we can bleep it out Come right on, yeah share, share. we we
0: didn't have to bleep anything give us the good stuff right yeah all right well thank you so much everyone Thanks, everybody for uh, tuning
1: in again and we really really look forward to uh sharing this uh, podcast with you
0: yeah and we'll see you next time so in the meantime stay salty beaches